0: teabaggers, it's Will here, uh, coming to you from Sunnyvale, California, uh, where I've been performing at Rooster Tea Feathers all weekend, uh, which has been absolutely great fun, actually. Uh, A couple of sold-out shows, which is really fantastic, Friday and Saturday early shows, both sold out. Uh, Fair to say the Saturday Late Show, not quite as successful. Uh, It was a small but mighty crowd. There was a couple of teabaggers in the audience, so... Thanks for coming along and uh, making that better than it could have been. (laughs) Uh, One more show tonight. If you're listening to this in time, I'm at Rooster Teeth Feathers, an eight o'clock show tonight. Uh, That is uh, Sunday, October the 5th. So uh, if you're in the area, come down and see that. What other things do I need to tell you about? Only a couple more weeks of the live stream from LA Podcast Festival. If you go to the live stream, the LA Podcast Festival page, you click on the live stream. Uh, If at checkout, so when you get to the checkout page, up in the right-hand corner, if you put in TOEFOP, you get 5 bucks off, so it's only 20 bucks to watch every single. There's nearly 40 podcasts uh, for the whole weekend. But definitely watch the dollop, and I love Green Guide Letters, and of course the live TOEFOP. They're all worth it, and it's a great way to support the podcast. We get $7 from every time someone puts that little TOEFOP logo in there so do that i've done it myself i forgot to put the logo in so <laughs> don't forget don't be a dickhead like me that's basically what i'm saying uh okay so uh, the other things i need to tell you about is this my comics lounge gigs so i'm coming back to australia to do gigs in uh, darwin perth and uh, kalgoorlie they're all on sale at the moment The week after that, the last week of November, I'll be at the Comics Lounge in Melbourne with Justin Hamilton, uh, Becky Lucas and um, a couple of other comics as well uh, that I'm just uh, asking some people about. Uh, Maybe Limo one night, I'm hoping maybe Chambo one night. Anyway, some really good comics. So um, I'll basically be doing a tune-up of my Willuminati show, so if you didn't see it. Uh, during Melbourne, during the Comedy Festival, you want to see the changes I've made to it since then. Uh, I'm basically going to do a week of shows there to get it ready for uh, the big gig at the City Opera House on January 19. Uh, I saw that the fucking ABC played philosophy uh, again the other night and I got another fucking angry letter from an old nana going, see if you can do a show where you don't swear. And uh, I can't. Well, I can. I've done it. Uh, some people saw me do it. In Denver on New Year's Day at an all-ages show last year. I did it for an hour. And guess what, old lady? I haven't fucking done it since because it's not fucking fun. And this is my fucking job, so fuck you. <laughs> uh, nice mature response, Oscar Wilde. I put the will in Oscar Wilde. Uh, with that one, um, no, no, whatever. Like, but it's just, you know, you know I hate that. Uh. So anyway, look, basically what I'm saying is January 19, Sydney Opera House. This is my fucking... This is the redemption, you know? I'm like a team that lost the grand final. Last time I was there, I recorded that special, the one special, my one crack at it, and and it wasn't what I wanted. So in January 19, we are going to fucking, when I die, they're actually going to be able to play something decent. They're going to be able to play the recording of my Illuminati show in the concert hall at the Sydney Opera House. So come along and see that. I've got a lot on the line that night. It'd be great if the crowd were awesome. I'm going to make it the best show I've ever done. So January 19th at the Sydney Opera House. There'll be some improv shows just before Christmas at the Comedy Store as well if you want to go and see me improvise an entire hour. Uh, That's pretty much it. I've got heaps of other gigs in America, but... Um, I will plug those with some other episodes that I'll put up during the week. Uh, I just wanted to know all the stuff about Charlie. Uh, If you haven't caught up, uh, there's a new ToeFot with Charlie from last week. We recorded four of them in a row the day before PodFest, so they do get increasingly silly. Uh, but I'm going to put those out over the next four weeks. All right. Well, this is the second of the four. And then at the end of that, uh, that should coincide with the live stream being over for LA Podcast Festival, and I will put up the live episode. So if you're tired ass or you can't afford it or you just want to listen to the podcast for free, it will go up uh, at the end of these episodes, and that will be our little season of tofu for this time. So uh, thank you very much, everyone, and uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I will talk to you again soon. See ya. Great advances in prison, rape, or space struggles. That's awesome. Is it a gritty reboot? We've been talking about Batman, like usual. <laughs> World War's Life. It's free, you know. I traveled through time. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <padlets, padlets>, <laughs> have sex with <laughs> <healthy bites. laughs> Put you on a lazy suit. <laughs> TOEFOP fact. <laughs> the father of the butt and the holy toast. Fire up the fucking buck's capacitor and let's get guns. Now, this is TOEFOP. <laughs> Everyone, relax. This is TOEFOP. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Smooth start. Yeah, I liked it. <laughs> hey, uh, you said you had a story. What was your story? Ah, uh, uh, so uh, Gemma is in LA at the moment. She's uh, going to direct her first feature film. It's pretty exciting, isn't it? Very exciting. Um, and Transformers it, Five. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she's the new Michael Bay. <laughs> No, it's a, it's a little it's a little indie film, but uh, she was over in Cannes. She's changed her name to <laughs> Mick <she called> Gemma. <laughs> oh, when she could. She's coming around later. Let's just call her Mick G. Hey, Mick G. <laughs> She'll love that. Um, no, she uh, was in Cannes earlier this year with our film, uh, uh, selling that at market, and she met this producer. This guy had this sort of indie film, uh, they're looking for a director, Gemma Pitcher, and she got it. So anyway... Leading up to this trip where she's been looking at locations, doing a location reconnaissance recce. Yeah, that's right. Doing a fucking recce. <laughs> uh, uh, before that happened, she has been doing all these like Skype meetings and stuff with people uh-huh. involved with the film. And um, she had this very important Does that not have a name? That should have a name, shouldn't it? Like everything has a name, like you know, but you should be like skeeting people or oh, I agree with you, just not that. Right? <laughs> bit, too, bit too close to scat. Right, that maybe that's why. <laughs> right. Yeah, okay. That's a the blue sky session. Yeah, yeah for right. what we should call. We should news. call this skating, right? No, <laughs> no, no, we shouldn't. We'll put that in just the go- maybe. You know what? File. Let's just Google "skating" and see what comes up on Urban Dictionary, and just make sure before we say "skating" as our name if there is anything that comes up. Let's just. Type it into Google, guys. Urban Dictionary, skating. There you go. Uh, let's line up a skating to discuss our options. A meeting that you have via Oh my God! <laughs> second high five. We're all making fun yeah. of it. I know. That That's awesome. Me, yeah. But I what's the next? what's can't come is- to the office, but we could have a skating. What's the second definition? Uh, words. Okay. Here are words related. Words related to skating. Skeet. Yeah. Cum, <laughs> jizz, oh. semen, oh. sex, ah. sperm, oh. ejaculate, mm. penis, yes, nut, oh. dick, ah. ejaculation, like it, fuck, keep going, load, almost there, pussy, yes, slut, yes, facial, ah. whore, oh. bitch, yes, vagina. I love it. And the last word. These are all the. They, they, oh, by the way, I haven't skipped a word. They're the only words relating to it. The last one. Splooge. <laughs> End with a bang. Uh, so the second t- word is when you skeet on something slash someone. I was skeeting on the bitch all night is exactly oh, the same. God, so. use that sentence. Right. Um, uh, the Third meaning is the act of riding on a skeet board. What's a skeet board? Uh, ripstick or wave board. Really? Yeah. My nephew's got one of those. He's a little skeeter. Yeah, so you might say things like skating should become so, an Olympic or X-game If I call sport. up my nephew and say, hey, do you want to go skating? <laughs> does my brother need to be worried? <laughs> right, just say, <hey>, just. <laughs> on Urban Dictionary, <laughs> one through five. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm talking about the fourth definition. Yeah. Riding the uh, ripstick. Yeah. Ripstick, so, even <laughs> ripsticks. Oh, God. That's when my brother, with a like, restraining on my you order want to come over <laughs> and ride my ripstick? <laughs> you can't, you can't go, go to Uncle Charlie's place <laughs> anymore. So she was having a yeah, with uh, uh, someone who's working on the film. And we, were, we had a, a, we had something to go to, like a, a, an engagement party or, or something. And I'd just come back from the gym. And the way our place is set up, it's a, like an open plan living room sort of kitchen area. So Gemma was in the kitchen, um, sitting at the kitchen table with her laptop open, having this sketing, Sure. And I was like, oh shit, we're running late. And Gem's still having this meeting. So I'm like, well fuck, I'll just jump in the shower now and get ready so that then... I'll be ready to go. She just needs to get ready herself. Perfect. So I'm running back and forth and then I'm in the bedroom. I'm like, well, I'm just going to get undressed here naked and then just like dash into the bathroom because, you know, it's the easiest way to do it. Sure. Oh, no, ah, yeah, okay. but, but Gemma's in the kitchen, but <laughs> yeah. she's there. She, she's sitting with her back to the wall, like, you know, in the corner of the room talking to the laptop. Okay, yeah, yeah okay. So the laptop's not yeah. pointed out into the – No, 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 yeah. no. So I can't see in the room. So I – Go marching back into the living area, and right. you know, naked. And I see that Gemma's like sitting, so I'm parallel with Gemma when I exit yep. the bedroom, and she's sitting there. And so I'm like, Well, I don't want to get too close to the computer, like nice. too close to Gemma. Smart. Because maybe right. it's a white, like, you know, maybe it's a wide angle lens, and she'll just catch a glimpse of something. Right. So I go around the coffee table and I step over the couch, like uh-huh. as far away from Gemma as I can, Sure. and go into the bathroom. Nice. So I have my shower and stuff, and then I come out and dry off. Gemma finishes her meeting and I walk back out and she's just staring at me.
1: <laughs>
0: and I'm like, what? And she's like, what the fuck were you doing? And I said, what do you mean? She's gone, you just fucking walked past completely naked. I'm like, yeah, yeah. But I walked but around yeah, behind I the computer. The, I took the long way. I took the scenic route. And she pointed over her shoulder and she's gone, what's that? We have a massive mirror.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> On one wall. So Gemma was sitting in front of the huge mirror, right? (laughs) So she says that while she was talking to the girl, because she didn't really notice I was in the room, she's Uh talking, and then she just (laughs) sees a nude person stepping over the couch and walking off, right? Now, objects in the mirror may (laughs) appear closer (laughs) than they actually are and the way i stepped over the couch yes because i had to step yeah, like you of the course big couch. over you had to get what's a couch i didn't step like front ways no. i turned side on sure I of course over you the did couch buttocks first to which gemma said i could see your asshole <laughs> <laughs> so gemma like and the people at the other end are like now this yeah. is a Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, <laughs> this is a skating. This is officially a skating now. <laughs> so Gemma is so paranoid. And I said, well, did the girl say anything? And she's yeah. like, no, she didn't say anything. I'm like, well, maybe she didn't see it. I said, I'm, I right. went pretty quick. And she's like, I saw it. Right. She's gone. She's, she's gone. She's, I saw it. And because, you know, when you do Skype, your yeah. camera is on a, you get a little square saying this is what you can yep. see. And Gemma could see it on the little square. The girl watching it would have had her full screen. So right. she's got like, you know, five times the size. So I'm like, you know what, Gemma? She didn't say anything. Maybe she was deep in thought. Uh, Maybe she dropped her eyes. It would have been good if they'd gone back to her and she was looking at it, but like through a piece of paper with like a pin prick in it, because you can't look directly (laughs) (laughs) into the vortex. (laughs) Okay. So what happened? I say, don't worry about it, and Gemma's like, no, I have to know if she saw do it again. I'm like, Oh no, I'm you are not do, gonna it do it again. That's, that's not a better solution. And she's like, no. And she sits back at the computer and she's like, just walk past. I just need to know if she would have seen it. I'm like, I'm right. not going to do it. We got into this huge argument about it. Finally, I just said, look, babe, if anything, it's going to be a funny story, right? You go make the movie. It does really well. And then at the, you know, the, the after party of the, the opening night, you can pull her aside and say, oh, my God, Love. do you remember know that time? And if she does, no, you're going to laugh about it because right. you've still gone ahead and made this amazing movie and that's just going to be a little kind of – she didn't see it that way. <laughs> that could be her, like, you know, at the end of the movie, like when J.J. Uh, Abrams has, like, you know, so they have, like, the bad robot or whatever. <laughs> yeah, <it's just> my <laughs> anus. <laughs> passing. It's just a dude. Just a naked like, dude stepping yeah, over like natural arc. Like I'm a couch. <laughs> like <laughs> Oh, this is a Mick Gemma. Yeah, I love that I love this her stuff. <laughs> Bad, Charlie. <laughs> Bad Charlie, Bad Charlie, that's what the production company should be called. All right? Yeah. Wow. There you go. Well, she. Look, you know what? She's over here. She's doing the location recce. So obviously, if anything, I improved the situation. Maybe I'm the reason she got the job. Right? Like uh, I saw our friend uh, Nash Edgerton. He's in the uh, the Equalizer oh, remake. Yeah, I saw that. And I don't know how much of it is in. Oh, you've seen the film? I've seen it. Oh, you've actually seen yeah, it? He has one oh, scene. Well, So you will know. Yeah, because I imagine from the bit you see on the, like, it's the main preview they keep playing. Well, Nash, for, for uh, people, so people know, Nash is a, a filmmaker, but he's also a stuntman. That's so he sort of starred in the film industry. Yeah. So, yeah. And so there's this is one scene where clearly he gets in a fight with Denzel Washington, the equalizer, the modern day Edward Wood. And he. Um, like, you're like, oh, yeah, I bet this is the only scene he's in. It looks like a character in this scene that's there just for to Denzel Washington <laughs> to beat him up, yeah. basically. He's, it's like when you watch the wrestling and, like, out comes, right. you know, like... Uh, oh, yeah, there's, like, a couple of guys that go, I've never even heard, heard of these guys. guys. What an, oh, right, they're Cannon Potter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I understand, right? <laughs> exactly. Now, he has one scene and I think he gets a, a shot glass in the eye. Oh. Not a bad way to go out. Uh, so, tell me this, then. You've seen the film, mm-hmm. The Equalizer. Where did you see the film, The Equalizer? Uh, I was at the Sydney premiere, Will. Oh, of course you were. Because when you're on TV, right. uh, you get invited to things yeah. in the right. and uh, was And was there anyone from the film there? Was uh, no. Denzel Washington there? Denzel. No, there's no Denzel. It was weird, though. I saw it with uh, a lot of people I work with. And a lot of people I work with are young. Yep. Like young, annoyingly bright-eyed, clean-skinned, not uh, not yet beaten down by the realities of, of, of life. Right. Um, they will be, though. They will Imagine be. how they're repressing. That's going to be them. <laughs> I mean, you've been through it. Yeah, I'm the living you've embodiment. come out the other side. Unlike the old Vietnam vet who sits in the corner drinking yeah. and says, you weren't there, man. Yeah, you Even don't know. You know. It will fucking happen, though. <laughs> but they... Because it's, it's a whatever film. It's not great. It's, right. um But my memory of The Equalizer is Edward Woodward. Yep. And... In that, he's like an ex-British uh, Armed Forces guy. Yep. But he's like, uh, you know, he wears like, a, he wears like Italian, like fancy suits and he drives a jag. And, right. And he's Edward Woodward. And he's Edward Woodward. But he's distinguished. He's like yep. the gentleman's... The gentleman's uh, uh, assassin. Uh, assassin. Right. But this is not that. Like they, com- they completely retcon the entire backstory. And it is just... It is so violent. <laughs> right. <laughs> Like it really is, you know, like when you watch like torture porn films, like Hostel, like part of the thrill and, you know, is like, oh my God, that's so fucked up. Look what they're doing. Imagine if you were ch- cheering for the right. guy because his whole thing is he does like Batman. He doesn't use guns. He's right. an ex. I don't know. Like he's got some, I think he's like a special. He has a guy. certain set of skills. Certain set of skills. Yeah. But when he's like... That he doesn't want to use anymore. When he's avenging... The- I imagine. This is what I imagine the movie is from the preview that oh, I've right. seen. Like, he's a dude that at some stage had a certain set of skills, right? And uh, But now, now he he's trying to live a quiet. He, he doesn't want to live those... He doesn't want to be... Like, yeah. if you've ever seen the movie Sniper or the movie commando or, or the movie. history of violence Yeah, pretty much any movie in which a guy is right. lured out of retirement taken yeah uh, three days to kill pretty much any movie ordinarily basically the, the way some summa, uh, summa summarize those films is don't tug on the tail of the tiger right so he's essentially I imagine like he's, he's in retirement now he doesn't want to like you know he doesn't want to use these skills anymore because of his past but then something happens that means that he has to come back some sort of some personal mission probably Free pitcher deal. Right. Well, I imagine. <laughs> and then like it turns out that for a guy who doesn't really like doing this sort of thing, he's still pretty fucking good. Yeah, at but it. that's a thing because his whole the, the they give him this kind of characteristic in the side of the film, it's in the trailer where he sets his watch. So like when he gets into a conflict situation, because sure. he's so meticulous and his so his training is so specific yep. that he assesses threats and is like, it'll be a twenty seconds for me to take out this room of bad guys. Right. So, that's what they established early on in the film, Hudson Hawk. Except they sang. All like, that's right, the same that's thing. why they did Hudson yeah, Hawk. that's yeah. why they sang to time the robberies. So that's how they establish the character. But then, as the film progresses and he's taken out bad guys, yeah. his methods of killing them are more and more inefficient. You right. know what I mean? Like, because no, but like this is my forty-five minute. This is my forty-five second set, though. This is what I do when I have to do forty-five. Like oh, right. it's like He's padding. It's like me doing stand-up. <laughs> yeah. like, do Like you know what I mean. Like if yeah. you're doing seven minutes at a gala, you just get straight to the jokes. But if yeah. you got to do like an hour, you got to yeah. pace that it's shit, right? You're to do yeah. a little bit of. Well, the th- I mean, the, the, the ludicrous thing is they don't they don't explain why, but he doesn't use guns. You know, yeah. it's hand-to-hand combat yeah. or he impro- improvises with weapons. Yeah. So they don't establish why he doesn't right. use guns. There's no sort of Batman kind <coughs> of rationale behind it. His but parents would kill him. So ma- so many of the problems in this film would be easily solved much more efficiently and much more loss of life if he just picked up a gun. Right. Because he's going around like a hardware store, like literally putting drills in people's heads and maybe that's what it is. With, with it's like it was subtly funded by the NRA. And oh at, yeah, the, yeah, at the yeah, end, it's yeah. like, you know what? A gun would have been a lot more efficient, <laughs> Yeah, right? I thought that was a bit odd at the end. They had this like CGI Charlton Heston sort right. of <laughs> 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 Right, yeah, no, because you've got to be much more evil in mind to like um, to to come up with like ways to kill ways people that aren't a gun. People, yeah, but also if your whole thing is like I'm about precision, you know, like he's got this sort of OCD right. thing where he when he sits at this cafe, like he has his plate on this side and he puts his cutlery there every time. It's the same thing, and then it's like. Just get a fucking gun, gun and a yeah. sniper scope and take out the bad guys from a distance. It's much more efficient. That way you don't have right? to fucking fight through 20 dudes to get to the bad guy. It doesn't make any sense. Well, maybe it just enjoys it though. And it is nothing. I don't ever mem- remember Edward Woodward like yeah. rotting someone with barbed wire. No. 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 Did he actually kill people on the TV show? Can you remember? Do you- oh, I don't know. Or was it one of those I kind water? Ordered- like, remember the A Team that'd have gunplay, but no one would actually die? Is that, that right? No one would die in the A Team? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember that? Well, I guess that's probably true because they wouldn't. It was a. PG. It's hard to. It's hard to root for your lovable rogues if they're constantly killing. Yeah, plus, you don't plus, want to plus. see your mercenaries like, like fucking killing. Oh plus. no, these are these are just vigilantes. Yeah. <laughs> now the eighteen that was famous for having like heaps of explosions and gunplay right, but, but no, no one, one really died. died. Yeah. Okay. Hey, violence is fun, right? Violence is fun if no one dies. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Well, that's kind of what they missed, even when they remade the eighteen, wasn't it? When they made the eighteen movie, violent. it was like <laughs> it was just violent, and people probably died in I that. Don't actually, I actually. I mean, I've seen it, but I do not remember a single thing about. Apart from Liam Neeson's horrendous American accent, why try to get him to do one now? Yeah, can't he just keep doing that? Whatever accent it is that he has, his Irish accent. It's not quite Irish. Yeah, it's Irish. It's well. Let me see if I can do it. It's. Uh, I, I can only think of that sketch from uh, the, the Ricky Gervais show was like I've got AIDS <laughs> I had sex with an African prostitute he, he, he has an Irish-ish accent that's what I would describe Irish-ish no it's Irish Irish no but it's not that what you just did then where you were like <laughs> oh no it's Irish <laughs> like that's not, not actually Liam Neeson making <laughs> when he did Oscar Schindler did he do a German accent or was it Irish <laughs> Irish <laughs> It's a bit like the Sean Connery yeah. thing, where he's like, hello, my name is Abdul. It was actually uh, Oscar <laughs> Schindler. <laughs> like, it was this little apostrophe. He was like, oh, was, Grady Oscar oh, Schindler. Oh, Oscar Schindler. <laughs> <laughs> he's from the Oscar Schindlers. I'm a big fan of Liam Neeson. I think he must get, like, scripts sent to him, where it literally, when it gets to his character, it's just his mentor. Right. That's the only thing, mentor. No, but here's the thing that I like about Liam because I feel like, you know, because his wife died tragically tragically, and I just feel like he's working out the anger and aggression of that like in a healthy way. It's like his yoga or his meditation or whatever and he just like funnels because he seems in like interviews and stuff to be like pretty cool Reserved. and together and happy and whatever and i just think he just does these movies where he's like you know what i'm just going to channel all my aggression into just beating up like you know dudes who've sold my daughter into prostitution or whatever and then i can just be happy the rest of the time it's like his boxing class or whatever i think it's just more the money i think he gets because those taken films the ones that sort of relaunched his career as yeah. middle-aged revenge guy like i guess he's like the the new charles bronson or whatever right um, they're European funded because this is something that I found out when okay. trying to sell a film. There's certain names that don't have any cachet in Hollywood anymore that play really well in Europe that right. they encourage you to go after, like the Jean Claude Van Damme's, the Sylvester Stallone's and Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson. So I think I mean he Everybody uh, loves an Irishish accent. Irishish. 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 That's his accent. Irishish. Try and say Irish wristwatch really fast three times. Irish? No. (laughs) 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 Oh, Oh. that was the most (laughs) pathetic attempt I've seen yet. You know what? If at first you don't succeed, give up. (laughs) But you got it right. You said Irish. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, I like those. I don't mind those Liam Neeson films though. Like I'm, I know some people make fun of them, but I'm happy to watch a film. He's very. so watchable. He's just uh, <coughs> that's what I mean. He's your archetypal. There's certain actors who evoke like a, a feeling in you. Like Tom Hanks is the everyman, you know. Right. And I think that like Liam Neeson is. You want him to be your dad, <laughs> right? Like he be the best. Or Harrison Ford has the same thing. You nah. to be? Well, you used to. You know what? Yeah, that's right. Because, like, if something went wrong, if Liam Neeson was your dad, he'd hunt down the people who fucking did it with his certain set of skills and fuck them up. But if Harrison Ford was your dad, like, he'd be too fucking stoned and getting <laughs> an earring to fucking come and help you do anything. Well, yeah, that's like a okay, pre 2000 Harrison right. Ford. You ring up Harrison and <laughs> and that'd be it. That'd be all right. Okay, I'm ringing Liam. Liam is my real dad. You know who I think is the best, maybe we've talked about this before, the what best God. TV dad. John Goodman. John Goodman, Roseanne. Roseanne. Best TV dad ever. Oh, no. Stan Marsh is like a close second in terms of my favorite TV dads. Really? I'm not Stan, sorry. Um, what's Stan's dad's name? Uh, uh, Randy. Randy Marsh. Randy. South Park episodes, the best ones are the ones that are centered around Randy. He's the best character. Well, he's the best character. I don't think he's a great dad. <laughs> well, no, but. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, what was John Goodman's cat, Roseanne, Barr's husband? Uh, Roseanne that? and... Dan Connor. Dan Connor. Dan Connor right. is the dad you want to be your dad. Right. In terms of like dads you like on TV. Oh, okay. Sure. Randy Marsh. Yeah, all right. I'm happy with that. Who are your favorite dad, TV dads? Uh, well, it used to be the guy from Hey Dad, but... <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> That'll work on Mr. Kelly. <laughs> Certain of our listeners. Uh, oh, oh, gee... Um, All right, how about the dad, TV dad you'd like to be your dad and then your favorite TV dad as in the one you like watching most? Okay, all right. Um, So the TV dad that I would like to be my dad. I get to see your dad listening to this crying. My dad doesn't know how to listen to a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm going to say that... That's a hard question. I don't really... Like, I'm trying to think of like some good, like, what what's, well, we'll my, what's take, my favorite we'll show? Take, well, let's talk about Dan Conner then. Okay. The reason why I like Dan Conner is he's funny. He loves his family. Right. He stands up for the people he loves, like yeah. when he beat up Jackie's boyfriend. It's true. He has flaws. Uh-huh. You know, him and Rosanna always fighting. He opens up that motor- motorcycle shop and it doesn't quite work out. But he just seems like the kind of dad that you would get along with. What about. Uh... Bill Cosby, like bit Clive Huxtable, too... Clive, Cliff Huxtable. I think, Clif, I think, Clif would, I think Cliff Huxtable would irritate me. Why? Well, he's just a little too with the games and the given. Now, I'm not going to do much. <laughs> Charlie! Stuff. He's a bit, I don't know, This. I, I find Dan is much more blue-collar down at earth, right. like a, a real kind of guy. Yeah, you know what? Fuck you, my, my, my dad's a doctor, so what about that? <laughs> How about that? You want Cliff And Huckstable? black. My dad's a black doctor, so take that. How did that happen? Well, because I don't know. I had an affair. Yeah, he did. So <laughs> that could have happened. <laughs> <laughs> and plus, I'm in comedy, so Cosby would be a good dad. So like you he's you a prefer... good. What was he... was he? Uh, Cliff Huxtable. Cliff, prefer... Huxtable? Doc- Dr. Cliff Huxtable. Doctor Cliff Huxtable. Yeah. Why? Well, he's a doctor. He's no, like but he was like... as a dad, you want like what's the? I'd have a hot black like sister. <laughs> this is really getting weird. Are you gonna skate soon? <laughs> Scott. No, what is it? have a skating? A skating. <laughs> a little skating. Um, uh, yeah, I, What I about mean, Homer Simpson? No. Homer Simpson's well, Homer Simpson is younger than me for a start. So it's hard to no imagine 36 or 38. He's younger than me. I'm 37. Yeah, hang on. I oh, think he's God. 38 maybe. He's meant to be. Um, but yeah, uh, so I can't know Homer I mean Homer's a lovely No, I don't know if Homer is a great dad. Homer's no, no, a great but character. No, no, your
1: favorite
0: dad. I guess Maybe TV character dad. I like um, uh, uh, Costanza's dad from Seinfeld. That's a good dad. That's like a good comedy dad. Like that's one of my favorite TV. Like his parents in that show are part of my like favorite. (laughs) You feel like you know them. Yeah. What was I looking up here? I was looking up something. I can't remember. What were we talking about before? Uh, Homer Simpson Homer, Homer Simpson how, how, how old is Homer Simpson but while I was looking that up is uh, somebody just sent me a message which will be good for what we're talking about anyway how old is Homer Simpson Homer uh Simpson character uh age um Homer Homer's age was initially 34 oh. but they changed his age to 38 oh <sighs> Phew. Oh, this is contradicted by the Homer book, which says that Homer is thirty-six. So there is a bit of debate, but it's around that sort of. Well, it makes sense. Yeah, but when he was twenty-six, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, this is what somebody has sent me a link to the Washingtonian. Washington. Washingtonian. That's the state of uh, Washington. Yeah. Uh, where I just was, I was in Seattle on the weekend, and somebody has sent me this. I hope you come back uh, to Seattle soon. Is the message. And then they've linked me to an article on Best Bites, food and restaurant news (laughs) on The Washingtonian. A medical marijuana food truck is coming to DC. Really? Yeah. Uh, Street eats are about to get a lot more interesting. (laughs) Following in the tradition of unusual food trucks, such as the Four Seasons Mobile and the Nutella truck, Magical Butter is bringing its cart to DC. The maker's... Of a handy gizmo that automatically extracts botanical nutrients into butter oils and more will lead a cooking demonstration at the Tacoma Wellness Center. Blah 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 blah. blah. There you go. So, food- can you buy from the truck? You have to have a you have card. to have a card apparently. But there you go. Hang on. So, is Washington legal? So no, I think it's like medicinal. So like there and then uh, Denver, it's legal. It feels like, it's- like it won't be long before it all changes. Well in Australia there's some states now that for terminal illnesses are going to allow medical that came out yep and supported it that was unusual and like all people have to realize is that if you are over 35 literally life is a terminal illness <laughs> it's true <laughs> like every like from that point on you're just dying like i read an article the other day about by the time that we get to 80 50% of us are going to have cancer yes because we're meant to be dead. Now, I'm not saying that disrespectfully to anyone who's had cancer or like, I mean, but the point is that... That's why 50, half of the people on the planet, have, because we're not we meant to, to live, live that old long, yeah. and our bodies are like, why won't you die? <laughs> yeah, I'm exhausted. You're meant to have been <laughs> eaten by something huge or something by now. We would have designed you better to stand up and your joints to work if we knew you were going to live this long. Please die. I had a, I mean, and this is, I have nothing to back this up, but I had the opposite Welcome to TOEFOP. <laughs> This is a type of fact that someone told me that if you are under the age of like forty-five now, that you are going to live like there's going to, your life expectancy is going to increase by ten years. So we will if the average lifespan like uh, uh, age of death for a male is like eighty, yeah, we'll live to ninety. Well, the biggest growing like percentage wise group in America at the moment, I saw a sixty minutes thing on this. What is over eighties? No, oh, right. over ninety over 90s. Oh really? Over 90s is the largest growing percentage-wise <sighs> of the population because again, no one's dying. No one's dying. And then we have to work for ages, like it's already over 70 now, like before you can retire, but like it's just going to get higher and higher. What are old people going to do? the fuck are they we going to do? Working. Not do just mean? old people, be us. Like that's us. We are those old people. Like honestly, I've been doing comedy for like 19 years you can't and do I'm anything. exhausted. Yeah. I can't do it for another 31 years. Can I? Can't you just... No drive? one's going to be interested in Here's that. Here's what we'll do. Here's okay. What, we'll do. what are we going to do? We'll go to a kibbutz. Oh. Because they give you free accommodation. You've got to till soil and shit like that. But, you know... Did we both listen to the same podcast recently? Why are you mentioning a kibbutz? Did you listen to Nick Fro- uh, Nick? Oh, Scott? yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I didn't know that, but I did. I actually listened to it, I uh, was like like three days ago. Yeah, I was like, it was what? It, was it the Nerdist one or the other no, one? No, on, on, uh, oh, well, on WTF he talked about like being in uh, a How in fucking a fascinating, because I listened to one of them and that made me seek yeah. out the other one. I think right. maybe I heard the Marin one first, because uh-huh. I have never really listened to Nick, frost he's got a fascinating life that he Isn't won't tell amazing. anybody about but he's so interesting there's like, so much, but there's some shit that's funny there's some shit yeah. that's off the record <laughs> yeah like when someone's telling you all this crazy shit and then there's and a point where he's like he's not hey, taught- you know what uh, yeah. there's some stuff i can't go into and you're like oh yeah. my god so the stuff that was like suitable for our ears right what is the that shit was not enough right yeah and it was really interesting how it seems to have like you know, really coloured his worldview and the way that he kind of approaches things and looks at them yeah. it's like it, I found it very fascinating yeah me too but it was but just funny because He's talking about the kibbutz because well, like, that's where he went yeah, when but, he was like yeah. escaping when he got told to leave England for a while that's he went lived on a kibbutz that's funny I've, I was reading on the flight suddenly over, like, there's a whole lot of like interest in kibbutz from dodgy characters <laughs> Like, post those that podcast everyone's like got some kibbutz well, it's so ironic because I've been reading um, Blink Malcolm Gladwell's Blink yeah. that's what I was reading on the flight Over Uh and he talks about um, uh, uh, these experiments, these social experiments that were that were run. Where um, it's kind of this word association thing, and they seed into it this experiment, this one experiment. They seed it into it all these references to aging. So just say the experiment is: you look at uh, 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 five words, and you have to make a sentence out of four of the words. Sure. And somewhere within those, they'll seed like um, gray, you know, elderly. References to being old, and what they found was that people would do this test, and then they would leave the test walking slower than people who did things that was referencing youth. And so, yeah, it's sort of it's talking about the subconscious and how we are open to suggestions. Sure. So that is completely what happened with the Nick Frost thing. Is I'd actually forgotten about right. it. But then when we talk about, well, what would be Where a would we escape? A fucking kibbutz. Kibbutz. Which makes me think that how many other of my opinions are shaped by stuff that I'm not even aware of? Most of them. Like, honestly, most of them. Like, every day we're like, you oh, know. God. I mean, even that, like, I mean, you didn't, even the fact that you've referenced that Malcolm Gladwell book and that study. It like, you haven't gone and done any research on, like, whether there's right. opposing views, than yes, that or whether there's course. another perspective, you're just like, it's well, true, I'm spouting this on as like, because this that. is like this, you know, it's funny, but that's what we all as do. As I was fucking reading the book, though, right. I was having that thought, and I was that exact same thing. I'm like, well, what is to say that I'm this is not the suggestion, but right. it is, it's of course, it is. It's like, it's like the inception, I've been incepted, you've been incepted, <laughs> oh, we've all been it. incepted, it's, fucking hell, it's they live. We just need to find those sunglasses that enable us to see. All the aliens living amongst us. I, uh, uh, there's um, I've talked about this with Justin on the podcast before, but it, like it occurs to me just as we say that about Inception, is that that movie, like you never know with movies. But there are just some movies that are, that will always be what that's referred a to now. Reference. Like if yeah, 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 like that's what that is now. If, like, like if it's some sort of dream within, yeah. Like you're yeah. like yeah, what's the new Matrix? Like, yeah. That was kind of like Matrix. You're done. We're done yeah. with you as a reference. Yeah, yeah. Like this is like being the Matrix. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. this is like Inception. This is our new one. We're doing Inception <laughs> now. We've updated. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we had a halftime break. Had some, had, had some oranges. Yeah. Uh, Tom Jones has played. Yeah, the coach gave us a bit of a rev up. Yeah, Ed Sheeran played. That's what played at the AFL Grand Final, right? Tom Jones, Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran. Have you noticed there's that Ed Sheeran music video? Gemma has this theory, which I reckon is spot on. There's a music video for Ed Sheeran where it's a puppet, Uh Ed Sheeran. Right. But the puppet is really good looking. (laughs) (laughs) And Gemma has this theory that originally they designed a puppet that looked like Ed Sheeran and the record company were like, no this is gonna gonna terrify children this is like terrible Please make a good looking like seriously this is like the. i mean that's the reason i get my posters drawn by james fosdite now because i can stay young forever in cartoon form uh hey uh i met someone the other day who has diplomatic immunity oh yeah was he south african no, but I did I, – I, I'm pretty sure – it was a woman and she was – I'm pretty sure she was sick of me saying diplomatic immunity <laughs> yeah. at the end. But someone, I told that story and someone has sent me the six most ridiculous abuses of diplomatic immunity. So um, uh, here we go. Number six, the case of the pipe-smoking terrorist. In 2010, Mohammed Al-Madadi, an envoy from Qatar, was flying from Washington, D.C. to Denver, or two pot cities, Flying, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. When suddenly he found himself craving a smoke. Of course he did. Craving flying from DC to fucking Denver. Uh, from here on out, we want you to imagine what would have happened, say, if you'd done this. al Medidi retired into the bathroom, turned off the smoke alarm, took out a pipe and puffed away. A until hash a- pipe? No, just a pipe. Right. An old-fashioned pipe. <laughs> and while he was solving a crime? <laughs> Sol- 19th century London. Solved a crime. Took off his beef eater hat. <laughs> <laughs> it was elementary. Right. Uh, puffed away until a flight attendant smelt smoke and got suspicious. The flight attendant confronted El Medidi, who emerged from the smoke-centered bathroom holding his lighter. And as, So El uh answered with a blank stare and responded that he had in fact been trying to light his shoes on fire. That was his excuse. <laughs> That's not good to say on an American airline, isn't it? Aren't shoe bombs a thing? <laughs> when your name is... Yeah, Al- I G-G. mean, you're already up against it, dude. No, so this is better. References. I know you can't smoke pipes, <laughs> but I, I, no, I was just trying to light my shoes on fire. <laughs> I was just trying to light this stick of dynamite. Uh, I wanted to burn these shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I needed to catch a roadrunner and I'd ordered all this stuff from Acme. What, I can't do that on a plane anymore? I thought this is America. <laughs> this is business class. I'm in my pyjamas. Uh, okay, so a uh, suspiciously behaving man exits the bathroom that emits a strange smoke, makes a direct reference to shoe bombing and refuses to oh cooperate with God. the staff on a plane. From that point, things escalated. The plane's US marshals were called over to calm El Madidi down. They grabbed him, put him in his seat and while keeping an eye on him, alerted the pilot of the situation. Now, this is what you expect is going to happen, right? The pilot in turn kicked things up a notch. By sending out a potential terrorist status report, which led to the usual Holy motions shit. for this kind of situation, so this is like shits. Like yeah, the dude's come out now. of the bathroom and he's like, "I've been trying to light my fucking shoes on fire," and like people are like, well, "Here we fucking go." Al-Madidi was detained the second the plane landed, which, when it was found that he was on his way to meet with a terrorist, who was impl- impl- <coughs> I've been choked up by this stuff. <laughs> no, that's right, Bill. A terrorist who was implicated in 9/11. Holy shit! Right. By the way, by saying terrorism and 9/11, big hello to everyone from ASIO and the NSA who've just tuned into the podcast. <laughs> uh, so he's uh, so he's tried to his excuse is from the smoke in the bathroom. That he's trying to light his shoes on fire, and he's they found out when they've detained him that he's going to meet a terrorist who was involved in 9/11. He immediately invoked diplomatic immunity and waltzed the way to Qatar (laughs) scot-free. Wow. Wow. So, before we get further, how does it work? Have you discussed this already on the podcast? Well, yeah, but that's okay. I can discuss it with you. Basically, you can do anything but like first-degree murder and first-degree manslaughter. And you've got a card. But what uh, qualifies diplomatic immunity is you... You have to be a diplomat. Right. So you are a diplomat of another state. Right, of another, yeah, country, yeah. another, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, and yeah, so you have diplomatic immunity. And how do you get that? Can we get that? I want well, you have that. to be a diplomat. Well, like, well, I could. I'm here. I could be become a ma- member of the you Australian how, Diplomatic so, but no, Really? Yeah, sure. But how do you, you have to, I you mean, have you'd have to, to be, be trained approved and Yeah, qualified, yeah. In diplomacy. Right, yeah, you, I can see you're a pretty good diplomat. I mean, I'm like I'm, that's that's what I do really for a living. Is yeah. just like I, I'm really bringing. But would you ever need to claim diplomatic immunity? Oh uh, yeah, in your life, you yeah. think is there any time in your life you can think of where you would have liked to have claimed diplomatic immunity? Yeah, so many different times. <laughs> I mean, like my medicine is illegal in some places. Yeah, yeah, but if yeah, I was yeah, like right. fucking, I would have a mid mid joint break in my stand up show if like I could claim. Like, if I could get up there just, like, mid-show. So, murder is the only thing that's off the books. Murder and ver- first degree, murder what first degree. What about, like, murder? sexual assault? Well, I, here's the thing. I didn't ask about that. Okay. Because I was talking to a lady for the first time, yeah. and that did not seem <laughs> <Yeah>. like... <laughs> not, so, not the best way to open. Can I rape someone? <laughs> that didn't really seem like... That would be an appropriate thing. Hashtag yes or women. So I like yeah. So I didn't ask that, but here's what I imagine. Here's what I came to last time I spoke about this. That I imagine all those like things that you would consider as bad as like manslaughter or first degree murder, like sexual assault. Would probably be in that same category. Yeah, there be uh, yeah, there's pedophilia, like, sexual assault. There's probably like A-grade, right. like class A drugs. Yeah. probably class A offence. Yeah, they're like the really fucked up shit. Yeah, like yeah. you can't do that. Like yeah. I mean, genocide, a mass genocide of people. I can't imagine you could do that. Like you no. couldn't go, like hit laugh, the Holocaust couldn't have been there. like. Oh. Diplomatic immunity. Ah, Hitler. You know what? That sounds like what should, that should be a sitcom where it's right. like Hitler, Mussolini, right. Pol Pot all living in a share house. Right. Diplomatic immunity. Diplomatic community. Community. <laughs> They've all been put into the same witness relocation program yeah. and the three of them are living. Uh, they're the original odd three. <laughs> odd three they are the original the, odd three the original odd three <laughs> access of evil the new sitcom <laughs> this year on abc come and tune in for access of comedy right. <laughs> <laughs> all right so that was number six let's uh, go through the list and see what else people have used diplomatic immunity to get away with because this will give us an example of what is acceptable uh the North American Leadership Summit is an annual event between the US, Canada and Mexico that more or less serves as an excuse for the USA to pat its neighbours on the back and tell them that they totally matter too. Uh, by the way, I should mention I'm reading from a <laughs> crack. Cracked.com. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. Without even knowing can tell it, just I can from tell. The, Yeah, I mean, it is the best source for this sort of shit. <laughs> right, so. Uh, okay, so give them the acknowledgement. Big hello to Cracked if there's anyone from Cracked I'm a big fan of your work. Uh... Okay, so it's a peaceful event with the purpose of strengthening the bonds between the three nations, which makes the stunt pulled by Mexican press attache Rafael Quintero Curiel at their 2008 summit, uh, an even bigger incident. At the meeting, it was the habit of the participants to leave their phones on a table in a high security room outside the conference rooms. Right, so basically it's like when you go to see like a premiere of a movie or whatever and you have to hand yeah, over yeah. your like smartphone. They don't want spoilers. Yeah. Nobody wants an American leadership summit, North American Spoiled. leadership summit spoiler. Yeah. I mean, people who are tweeting with the hashtag N-A-L-S, Nels. <laughs> like, they're like, no NALS spoilers, you know, like they're... So, um, so a number of White House staffers thought nothing of parting with their phones for the meeting. That is, until said meeting ended and the phones were nowhere to be found. Wow. Since each and every now phoneless person was a political pundit and therefore had a BlackBerry filled with numbers and messages from some really big names... This is a plot for a Liam Neeson film. <laughs> right? A full-on freak-out and shoot. Then someone thought this had checked the se- security cameras. Nice, good idea. Which show crystal-clear footage of Curiel entering the high-security room Filling his bag with sweet, <laughs> sweet American phones, like he's just coming in like it's a gift table. Yeah. Like he's like, I get all these phones, right? Yeah. This is the best conference ever. <laughs> High five, everybody! Uh, filling his bag with sweet, sweet American phones and waltzing away without a worry in the world. Uh, the Secret Service sent teams of agents rushing to the airport where Mexican delegation was by then waiting for their flight back home. Now that, that would have taken them ages to get through security because yeah, yeah, you got to take all, those, all phones. those phones out of the bag. <laughs> Uh, in true Hollywood and fashion. And then setting them all to flight mode as well. Oh, oh yeah, man. forever. <laughs> That's how they got him. He was like, oh, four. <laughs> only four left before they were all, all on flight mode. Oh, for God's sake, you don't have to do it on a domestic flight. <laughs> and we're in part of the same continent. Do I really have to oh. Uh The agents got the airport in the nick of time, stopped the plane, and confronted Curiel, who gave them a little smile and said he had no idea what they were talking about. He had stolen half a dozen phones from high-ranking American officials on camera, and he gave them the old D. diplomatic immunity—the old DI. I'd call it a DI. He's giving them I'd the old DI. I'd be so smug. I'd just say DI, dude. It's it's hey, that's it, DI. That's the moment in our sitcom that everybody wants for every week, and the audience actually like it's because yeah, because yeah. uh, Axis of Evil is filmed in front of a live studio audience, yeah. and like people every week when like when, that when situation. DI and then was like like, diplomatic immunity his tone changed somewhat when the agent showed him the security camera footage he now maintained that the whole thing was accidental (laughs) (laughs) of course that's equivalent of wasn't me I just fell over. He's given the shaggy defense. Yeah. It wasn't me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he now maintained the whole thing was accidental and he just found the phones. I found them as I was pouring them into my bag. There was just all these phones laying around and I thought, well, I should take these phones. Uh, thought they were lost and was going to give them to the driver of his car to bring back to management at the meeting place. Incredible. Credible, credible. The agents considered pointing out that this didn't really explain why he denied taking them in the first place or why he took them at all or why he was taking them to Mexico. (laughs) (laughs) But Curiel had already proceeded to the next stage of his plan, waving his diplomatic passport in front of them like a get-out-of-jail-free card. That's what we call it, get-out-of-jail-free. That's the American version of it. Uh, In the end, the agents did get the phones back. But the diplomatic immune Curiel was free to fly home. It starts like Seinfeld, out yeah. Saying Every week, you know, or like Louis had his version of like the stand up thing that Seinfeld did, but maybe it was like him and his friends playing cards and having a conversation. Every night they're playing Monopoly. Yes. And someone gets a yeah, get, get out of jail, jail free, free card. card and that, yeah. like, but you don't like, find it out because you bookend the show. Right. Oh, you yeah, start playing book- Monopoly. And then at yeah. the end, you find out which one of them's got the get, get out, out of jail, jail free card. card. Uh, all right. Number four. A diplomatic bag is by law any old item that is identified as such and capable of holding stuff, being it a bag, box, satchel, or crusty sock from under the diplomat's bed. The idea behind (laughs) the concept... I love the way you just brushed past that one. (laughs) Well... Fairly weak effort, Cracked. Come on, you're better than that. uh, No, in fact, sometimes I've been dropping the jokes out because I don't feel like... Ah, have you? Yeah, I've been trying to... It's funny because sometimes I will find an interesting article on Cracked and I want to read it to Gemma. And I will do the same thing. Well, I read just the facts to it? Right. Because I don't want to flavor it with their particular Slam. source. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Their Fox News approach. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so yeah. redacted, redacted, redacted. Redacted, right? redacted. <laughs> <laughs> it's good, redacted. Maybe we'll call the episode redacted. Okay. Uh that'll get the uh people from maze listening. <laughs> <laughs> so um While most countries use bags for boring stuff like classified files, some countries have noticed their potential and got creative. You can basically commit any crime you want as long as said crime can be crammed inside a container designated as a diplomatic bag. Right? Uh, In 1984, Nigeria took issue with the former minister of theirs, Umaro Diko, who had moved... (laughs) Oh, he should judge Australian (laughs) Idol. He judged Nigerian Idol, the first season of (laughs) Nigerian Idol. (laughs) 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 Dick <laughs> uh, he? uh, He's a uh, cohort Amaro Mark Holden <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> You know what I knew it was coming I knew it was coming And it still made me laugh Famous for his Nigerian touchdown <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: uh, people have funny sounding names. Who moved to England? Dicko <laughs> Spell it. D I double K O was a bit of a troublemaker, like like the Dicko from Australian Idol. Yeah speaking out against the current government and criticising them at every turn. Not being content with pissing off just one country, he was also in the habit of lashing out at Israel. But okay, there you go. Does that happen? Oh, everyone loves Israel, do not yeah, they? That's right. So Nigeria and Israel decided to team up to bring Diko back to Nigeria mm. <laughs> and shut him up.
1: <laughs>
0: Can you call him Diko? Because if you keep calling him Diko, I'm going to find it how to get through it. Although it's Diko, is John Deeks' nigerian cousin dicko was yanked (laughs) (laughs) you don't want to be yanking dicko dicko was yanked off the streets of london drugged oh yeah well you know you don't want to drug your dicko either drugged and taken to the airport by the joint nigerian israeli squad that's a good team up by the way when the nigerians and the israelis have to do like a mission together but how wasn't that the fifth uh, police academy (laughs) Mission in Nigeria? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. But how to get him on the plane? They would place Dicko in a wooden crate, tag it as a diplomatic bag, and haul him oh, off to Nigeria. Oh, my God, it's like fucking the dark night when he grabs the Japanese dude. Right. No one can do anything if a guy wakes up and starts banging the lid because it's a diplomatic bag. Diplomagic. Is that theirs? Or yeah, yours? that's theirs. Oh, Diplomagic. I don't crack Mission accomplished. Uh, only someone had forgotten to fill out the proper paperwork for diplomatic baggage. So when Dicko did come to and the crate started moving around, the officials decided to take a peek. Customs got Dicko out and the kidnappers were arrested because he had diplomatic immunity. Oh, they used the two and diplomatic immunities yeah, against each the other. The old double diplomatic immunity. It's, it's a DDI. Oh, the old double diplo. <laughs> I love double DIs. <laughs> the old double i I'm sure there's another urban dictionary definition of double D-I as well, but we won't look that up. Uh, okay, let's see who else we have here on our diplomatic immunity list. This is fun, this game. Uh, okay, here we go. This is a good one. This is one that people – this is a more practical one. Up until now, you, you or I would not have got too many advantages of had, out of having – we've not been in these situations. No. We're not loudmouth criticising our government. Oh, actually. Nah. So – People forget it also applies for smaller stuff. The diplomats themselves are very aware of this. Take parking tickets. (laughs) As long as the drivers have diplomatic plates, they can double and triple to their heart's desire. And unlike the average citizenry, when the cars do get ticketed, the country in question can and usually does totally claim official duty and refuse to pay a cent. That's fucking. Between 1997 and 2002. Now, so you might think, well, yes, they can do this, but surely people in this situation. Wouldn't actually do it because they are diplomats representing their country. Just because you have, like, the person that you I don't spoke, exploit it. the person that I spoke to about their diplomatic immunity, valued it. Yes, you know they were like, it's, "This is like an honor. It's a privilege." Yeah, no, you, know, you shouldn't. With be, great power comes great responsibility. That's what they tell you when yeah. you get your diplomatic immunity. Like, <laughs> and this then, this they your, then they kill your uncle. <laughs> right? Yeah, just uh, motivate you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they get your uncle in to say that and then they kill him and then front they of, kill him you <laughs> oh my god it's like you took that movie way too literally uh, okay. it's in the film already isn't it I've got the listen right. to the film oh, no, I got, I got it. I'm sad that his uncle died and he was an actor he's not even really dead no we actually killed him too <laughs> That's... that actor we found him and we killed him Between – that's why they can't make any more episodes of the West Wing. Between (laughs) 1997 and 2002, foreign diplomats from consulates and the UN racked up more than – okay. How many parking tickets do you think in the US did they rack up between 1997 and 2002? Uh, So number of tickets? Number of separate tickets. 200. 200. That, that, that's quite a lot I suppose 200 but it is higher than that we're going to play a little game oh at... Dixie where's Dixie yeah, I mean, this is, <laughs> yeah come on down this is the price is right so um, okay higher. Uh, higher 500 500 doves seem like a lot but this game could go for a long time if we keep at this 2, pace 000. so I'm going to say let's, let's, uh, let's start the bidding at 5000 and we can really oh my ca- god really uh, yeah more 7000 more 10,000. Like, I mean separate tickets, separate tickets in a 5-year period. In a five year period. How, this is between a bunch of diplomats. Tickets? Like it's not just one oh, person, right. but like it's between 15, all the 000. diplomats, right? 20,000, 30,000, 40,000, 80,000. Okay. We're getting closer. <laughs> oh my god, uh, 87,000. Between 1997 and 2002, a period of 5 years. One hundred fifty thousand oh parking my tickets. God, how many? That's seventy parking tickets a day. Huh? How's that even possible? The unpaid fines are worth over seventeen million dollars. Wow! And those figures are from New York alone. That's not for all of America. In New York alone, what country, what country were the diplomats from? Let's see. The biggest offender. Here we go. Good. The biggest offender with thirty-two thousand unpaid parking <laughs> oh tickets. God. Have a guess. What is the country that disrespects America's laws like the like the most? Like it you is know, the one is like fuck you, America. I don't play French, by your rules. France. French. No. That's a good guess, but that is not. Yeah, okay. but like yeah, but uh, I fuck you, America. I Don't play by your yeah. rules. Are they? Are they part? I mean, is do they have a large community in the US? Uh, I imagine. Well, they're a they're a big part of the. They're a big country. Who says fuck you to the US? Who fuck mostly you. says fuck you historically to the US? Should be pretty simple, actually, if you think about it. Historically, says fuck you to the US. What I'm saying is, you're Russia. Not, yes, exactly. <laughs> I was going to say you're not getting hotter; oh, yeah, you're getting yeah, yeah, colder. Yeah, that makes sense, but. Yeah, no, totally. I wouldn't fuck with a Russian. No way. Right. So 32,000 of them are Russian. Yeah. In second place, Kuwait.
1: Mm.
0: The Kuwaitis sense. have an average of 246 driving violations per diplomat. Wow. Right. But hang on. Don't these diplomats have drivers? Who is the onus on the driver or the diplomat? Can a diplomat claim immunity on a driver? The driver doesn't have immunity. does? Oh, it's diplomatic business. Well, if you're in the diplomatic car, I think anything that happens in the yeah, fucking diplomatic car. Oh, that's what we you, should, you can have an, buy an affair. Just those little flags. Oh, yeah, just like, well, you just can this doesn't count, diplomatic immunity. Yeah, exactly. Just take them to the front. You can park anywhere. Right. Oh, my God, that could be our porn version of like the bait bus or one of those sort of things. Diplomatic immunity bus. Right, but like, it's like, if it happens inside there, like it doesn't count. So you lure people in and you're like, oh, no, no, this is like, if you ever want and fucks up because, like, we can do whatever. Diplomatic immunity. There is no jurisdiction of within this Diplomatic immunity. <laughs> <laughs> that <had> high five. <laughs> That's Split all. out of two episodes. You have to, listen to it back to back to get <laughs> Diplomatic immunity. <laughs> all right. Uh, We've got two more. Um, in October 2006, Benny Kuzni was heading up the S- Senegal Consulate in Singapore where he served as an honorary consul. Uh, meaning that when he, while he runs a consulate, he doesn't actually live in the country himself and therefore doesn't enjoy diplomatic immunity. Okay. Um, one day, Consul Kusni had suddenly come up with a great idea to generate some revenue. He had a big-ass b- building in Singapore and no scribbles whatsoever, so why not combine the two and open a casino inside the consulate building? That's incredible. Right. So that's what he did. And the casino worked for an entire month. It was a huge success too. There was up to 100 people playing there at any given time. In the consulate, you've got remember. They've opened a casino in the consulate. And there's 100 people coming in <laughs> and playing like crap Blackjack. stables and shit in the consulate. I'd love to see. You've got Hans Blix <laughs> like just sitting there like playing two up. Uh, he was making... Half a million dollars a day. <laughs> Holy shit. Eventually, though, the, <laughs> the police noticed the sudden increase of cocktail dresses and tuxedos uh, fo- flowing in and out of the building. It's a bit of cracker vibe. Another thing they noticed was unlike embassies, consulates are not considered foreign soil. So they raided the place. Kuzni uh, immediately declared diplomatic immunity and started packing. But as we've learned earlier doesn't technically have diplomatic immunity uh soon, someone remembered what the deal with honorary consuls and immunities actually were uh and approached him while uh yeah you know, okay that was some cracked language <laughs> somehow kuzny still found the gall to plead innocence got thrown in jail with a hefty bail of forty thousand dollars on him at which point, the police found out that Kuzney had also been committing immigration fraud, fraud by falsifying information on papers throughout his tenure. So, he's, so always- he's not even from there. Oh, no. He's just like other people, I think. All oh, right. He's getting other people into the country. Right. Right. So. He's the reverse Oscar Schindler. <laughs> he's getting people in. He paid his bail and just declared diplomatic immunity oh. and. <laughs> Yeah, this <laughs> is the sound he made as he walked away left, from the jail cell. Left the country. He was, like, <laughs> he was like a tough guy who doesn't look at explosions. Yeah, yeah, he was like, I'm like... Flung dipl- he flung the diplomatic immunity his over his shoulder yeah. and, just, and it explodes for reasons that aren't really explained. But. Can you imagine anyone ever declaring diplomatic immunity and not having a smug look on their face? Like <laughs> right. it is the ultimate, it is the pinnacle of smug statements. I'm this, uh, no one's ever going to like Hugh Grant stuff. Uh, I'm, so, I'm so sorry that yeah. I. Uh, but uh, yeah. unfortunately, I am a <laughs> diplomat from a, another. And a, we have this thing that is honored okay. that's. <sighs> <Diplomatic> <laughs> <laughs> like, or your girlfriend comes home and finds you in bed with someone else, and you're like, look, I understand you're well, upset. I'm but so sorry, but. Diplomatic immunity. Ah, uh, <laughs> diplomatic immunity. <laughs> okay. So we mentioned Lethal Weapon 2 earlier. Uh, Weirdly enough, I didn't mention when they mentioned it, but we'd mentioned it. So when they said we mentioned it earlier... Who are you talking about? So I'll break you through this. I know that we got a little inception just then. Yeah. Or The Matrix, if you're listening 10 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what it is. It's exactly what it is. Um, So because I've been editing out the cracked commentary, Mm. um, I have... Uh, I, they earlier said that we all know yeah, diplomatic immunity from Lethal Weapon Two, yeah. but because we had already previously talked about that, I chose to chose ignore to ignore that. Him, yeah. But now we've got down to the bottom of the article, and the final one sentence starts with "Okay, so we mentioned Lethal Weapon Two earlier, and instead of me cutting that out like I normally would have, I thought, you know what, we did mention, so that I, that could <laughs> that actually fits in it came back together. You don't have to edit the it. two time streams have <laughs> joined up. So we mentioned Lethal Weapon 2 earlier. Um, Take the Libyan embassy worker in London, who in April 1984 decided to open fire at a mob of anti-Gaddafi protesters outside his embassy. (laughs) Can you imagine that? If you could just take an automatic weapon and open fire on people who annoyed you. It's like... It wasn't like he to open fire on people who were like invading his home no. and attacking him they were protesting this isn't game of thrones placards and chanting and he's like fuck these guys fuck these guys <laughs> you're just down at the embassy trying to make a political point and they're like no fuck you <laughs> i'm going to shoot you i'm going to shoot you diplomatic immunity <laughs> oh my god what an evil fuck <clears throat> um fatally wounding a police officer what and he gets yeah. away with that and injuring 10 others the police laid siege to the embassy for 10 days at which point the government stepped in, allowing the Good. ambassador and his staff to leave the premises and promptly kick them out of the country. Why, he didn't get arrested? <clears throat> I thought you couldn't kill anyone. No, he got away with it. That is fucking yeah. crazy. Haven't you seen Goodwill Hunting, where the cop is sentencing <laughs> Will, and he says, look, you've got a lot of indiscretions, but the fact is, you punch a cop in my town, you're doing time. All right. not in the, not, not if Will had just gone... Diplomatic immunity! (laughs) I can't fucking believe that. So, uh, the number one abusing immunity goes to batshit insane Burmese ambassador to Sri Lanka who found in 1979 that his wife was having an affair. Diplomatic immunity, brother. (laughs) She's claiming it. It works both ways. So, he shot her. Oh, okay. That's not funny. No, that's not funny. Uh, Then he built a Funeral pyre. Okay, that's a little bit. Funny. <laughs> the pyre, not the murder. No, <laughs> but because he's got to go to get a pyre, you got to get like lots of wood, and just the idea of someone building a pyre rather than just like disposing of the body like in a dumpster or something. Anyway, you funny. you know what I did now? A pyre. <laughs> I've always, you know what when we moved into this place and I said that is the perfect place for a pyre yeah. she was always like you will never build a fucking pyre <laughs> well who's fucking right now right yeah and then Billy Joel came out and said we didn't start the, the pyre. pyre we did a parody thing together we had a young got involved oh uh, by the way I put up that episode <laughs> of tofu I oh, know because no. we recorded all those ones like, like we're doing now we record them all in one guy oh god and you're that like- is the greatest egg on my face ever <laughs> Something like Weird Al Jankovic could never happen again. Like the week after I put you up know, that episode, he releases I do eight- not need to remind people that I made the most calamitous fucking declaration. Same as Chris, guys like, Chris Apple will, ne- will never take off. Chris Hensworth will never amount to anything. James Herb will never play football. I spit on these shares. <laughs> oh, God. Yes, that was a bad, bad call. Sorry, but literally... A week after a week that went to a air, week after, he fucking came out and was the comeback kid. Oh, I don't understand how people enjoy life, Charlie, if they're not listening to this podcast for the contrasts and weird coincidences. <laughs> the, the I was talking about uh, Jean Claude Van Damme. Jean Claude Van Damme? Uh, yeah, Jean Claude Van Damme. Jean Claude. Jean Claude Van, <laughs> Van Damme. Whatever. <laughs> uh, Cloud from the McLeod. Yeah, it's Jean McLeod's daughter. What? No. What? So I was talking um, about him, and then he was fucking in Australia doing press everywhere. He was no, like, Dolph Lundgren. Lundgren. Sorry, I'm a racist. <laughs> Such a racist. <laughs> Such an <laughs> so action racist. movie racist. Action movie racist man. <laughs> no, Steven Segal, Dolph Lundgren—they're all the same. That is like that is the ultimate revenge for people thinking I'm Adam Hills. That's <laughs> that's exactly what that was. That was me confusing Bill Pullman and Bill Paxton. Yeah. All right. I always get. Jeremy Irons confused with... Uh, Margaret Thatcher, the Iron Lady? Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> with Iron Man, Tony Stark. No? Uh, all right. He built a pyre in his yard, which is not funny, but pyres are funny. <laughs> and burnt his wife's body. Not funny. Not funny. This next bit is funny not because... Of- <laughs> this be- next bit is not funny because... Of, like I mean, it's terrible what happened, <laughs> but... He he burned his wife's body in full view of the press <laughs> and the police. <laughs> like we're not laughing. Who were unable to do anything because of his diplomatic immunity. That is- like he has shot his wife, which is not funny. And then he has build gone pile, to his banker, built a pile, which Berkshire, is funny. Which what built is, build not, is funny. not funny, in but front in front of the front press, of the press yeah. and the police, which is very funny. It's, I mean, you've read that kids' book. What good luck? What bad luck? <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. Oh my god! And they couldn't do anything. Did he get arrested in the end? Uh no. That okay. he, he's the number right. one guy who, uh, the only ever crime, the only crime he was ever convicted of. Oh, not only was he never convicted of the crime. But here's the kicker. He remained the Burmese ambassador. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Like he in didn't, that car and they're like, you know what? We want a guy who, say, who sends a good positive message about Burma. I know Tony Abbott did a lot of dick things but still got elected Prime Minister of Australia. But if he had shot his wife and burnt her on a pyre in front of the press and... The police. Surely people aren't like Oh well no, I suppose he's well, still I the guarantee un- if you did that the front page of the Daily Telegraph would be like Tony Abbott's strong stance on <laughs> piers. <laughs> piers, <laughs> Great for the pyre industry. Finally the pyre industry's coming back on shore. Man, you have been so lucky being out of the country. The Daily Telegraph now has turned into the onion. Oh uh, yeah. Well they like, re- it's incredible. I've been in it a bit since uh, I've left the country. Yeah you about have. every third day, but but it's it's so um it's bad like it's 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 so it's almost like they because now Tony Abbott's in and the job's done it's like they don't care right. like there's no, they're not even going to pretend like they're they're objective it's it's, it's like a newsletter it's, it's a fan weird fiction. conservative newsletter the australian press is fan fiction now Well, because the press makes no sense. It is fan fiction. It's fan fiction allegory. Nobody needs allegories at the right. Right, no, but they take real life events and they write these fucking fictions about what they mean. Like that's what Fox News has done to American news. It's all interpretive. It's fan fiction. It's all interpretive. It's everything is opinion. Everything's opinion too. That's the other crazy thing. Like they did this thing. um, There's all this kind of Islamophobia happening at the moment, and uh, because you know we're committed troops to Iraq, and so all of a sudden there's been these terror raids. Well, it'll be a few weeks ago now by the time you hear this, right? And the front page of The Daily Telegraph, um, because a group of uh, men were found near yep. a nuclear power station. Yes, and they were detained, yes, and questioned, yes. and then released without charge. Yeah: white men. Not all. <laughs> Not most. They had beards. Right. That, as far as I can tell from reading the article, was the thing that raised the alarm. Yeah. had men they had beards. they had beards.
1: The so, way uh, it was
0: hipsters or terrorists, it was they devoted the front page and then a double page spread in the Daily right. Telegraph analyzing the fact that the police had detained, questioned, and released without charge four men. Right, you could do that in like two paragraphs. They delved so deeply into this non story, mate. Like, it was insane. I, now, again, I'm not saying that we shouldn't, like, you know, obviously, yeah, the world is going through, pre- and there are people who are you know, doing crazy things, and we have to, like, be aware of that. But they had the biggest terror raids in the history of Australia. That's what the police called them, the biggest terror raids that we've done. And at the end of them, like, when we're recording this podcast, one person has been charged with something. I think two people have been charged, but one of them was with a thing that had nothing to do with terrorism. Like, it's one of those things where, like, I can't help but think, let's have an appropriate and proportionate response to this and let's not just buy the fucking party line that this is what's happening and then you get into all this nonsense that like you know it's that whole we may not, it might not be racist but we're number one with racists then yeah, it's suddenly yeah. like we've got to ban the burqa and we've got to like and then it creates the problems like yeah. you actually drive people to be you know if you're telling someone we don't accept you for who you are now as you are driving a wedge between you and that person it's the same as like if you're a if you have a kid and you always tell the kid that you know, uh, oh, you're a bad kid. You, you know, you're, or I can't, I, I have to, I can't take my eyes off you every time. Every time I give you a responsibility, you fuck up. The kid grows up to right. be what you are projecting on them, and I think we're doing that massively at the moment. Right. It's like they're throwing the baby out with the bathwater thing. Like, yes, the extremists. Like, I, I, I think we should all agree on the fact that, like, killing people in the name of what you believe in, mm. you know is only appropriate – like, I mean, is maybe never appropriate. Yeah. But certainly, like, you know, has to be a vital last resort. And as a world, we can agree that this is not what is appropriate. But it doesn't mean you have to demonize an entire religion because bad things are done in the name of extremes on all religions. Here's the thing, like, in my my simple brain terms, (laughs) Uh I understand – that there are good people in every community and sector of life, and there are fucking assholes. Like, if we're going to if we're going to launch a war on anything, it's a, a war on assholes, right? And that's why I think this is my thing that I've been saying a lot recently. I, and I, I just wish we could have an amnesty and all agree. Like all the religions. Here's what I think, because you know, as you know, you know that I don't believe in like religion and I don't believe in God. Like I don't get out. <laughs> but you know, but I'm not a person who like. I think there are so many things about the world that we can't explain. And that can't be proved by science or like you know by facts like you know there are things about the world that we can't explain yet. Even science acknowledges that, right? Yeah. So I think it would be great if at a, as a world we could go look. Let's just have an amnesty on having to pretend that There's things a are system. like you know that the world is like 6000 years old for yeah, example yeah. because there are people who want to believe that god fills in the gaps, you know the god of the gaps. You know but who know there were dinosaurs that yeah. they know that's wrong right yeah. can't we all disagree on the main shit right and then go however you want to explain the stuff that no one can explain yet that's up to you, you explain that by muhammad or yeah, jesus yeah, yeah, yeah. or buddha like you know those things but we'll the, all agree on the like the, the set science, of facts the that the stuff, we all have right stuff. yeah and you can explain the stuff that you don't know in your own way yeah then we can all agree on these people who are killing people are assholes yeah instead of it being tied up in this kind of religious thing or this like belief thing we go no no we all are mostly the same we all agree on all these different things and you can't kill someone based on the bits we can't explain yet don't do that right yeah i think that's one of those things where we just i mean it does get I, i mean they're trying not to use the islamic state now the term the islamic state because you know it doesn't represent like you know ISIL and ISIS and all those sort of things doesn't represent that um we should finish up and we probably shouldn't get bogged down on this anyway because I neither of us are particular experts but probably more importantly I beg to differ I uh, read a few things on BuzzFeed and I think I'm an expert now well my point is that things move so quickly in this environment that if we record something (laughs) that we put out three weeks from now and something terrible or weird or whatever that means that you know I can't, well, we can't finish this we can, episode we, can't. <laughs> we can all, it also not upload it yeah. if Diplomatic something happens, community. <laughs> if something happens at the time uh, I was going to say there was a guy in Australia though um, maybe I'm going to sneeze am I going to sneeze yes <laughs> oh my god that um, was so girly oh my god I've been sneezing so much I it, it, ah! I had five in a row the other day, and they do have a girly sneeze. And I, I think like when it. you have eight in a row, like isn't that meant to be like the female orgasm? <laughs> yeah. And they actually turn into a woman if I they... fucking, do. You, I like sneezing. Like I will, I will, I'll tease out a sneeze. I love a sneeze. No, you're I a, a sneeze, sneeze tease. I love the <laughs> sneeze tease. <laughs> uh, so my favourite Dr Seuss book. Oh yeah, the sneeze tease. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> there was a, a with the sneeze tease. There was a guy who uh, was uh, so there was a young guy killed in a, like a terror related incident and they ran a picture on the front page of uh the city Morning hero i think it was and it was a uh, not the not, dude not the kid. it was like essentially hey, hey this is the dead terrorist and it was actually like an alive guy who wasn't a terrorist yes yeah, uh, so uh sorry but also congratulations you've just won the you were correctly incorrectly identified as a terrorist lottery and now you own half a newspaper that guy like, I mean, it's a terrible thing to happen to someone. But it's literally one of those moments where he will... They they have so many grounds to, like, sue for, like, so really? much fucking money. Doesn't yeah. that happen all the fucking time? No, not Don't for they so- just have to print a retraction? No, and- not for something like that, man. He will be, like... He will. You'll be. You'll it see would. him a year from now, and you'll be there. He was like, it was a terrible thing that happened. He's like, why the fuck did I take look over my, half a newspaper? Look at. newspaper <laughs> yeah I mean, it's a dying history. industry. Yeah. I was doing well beforehand, but yeah, now he I, goes to court just to make sure he doesn't have to take yeah, the fucking can I half a not, newspaper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> can we negotiate it down a quarter? <laughs> well, I think I can manage the losses I'll on the quarter. I'll just the green guy. Okay, Jesus. <laughs> If you like this podcast, rate it on iTunes. Uh, tell your friends about it. Cool friends who would like it. Don't tell idiots who won't like it. And then we'll tell me about it online, and then I'll get mad and not want happen? to do the podcast. I haven't been keeping Only up. Occasionally, the people come on and say they don't like the show. Ah, sometimes they listen to a whole episode to work out they didn't like it. Sometimes they, uh, sometimes they just. Like, I mean, you know what? Like, here's the thing: when it was just the two of us, people kind of. Uh, they either like it or don't like it and they make up their mind and make that decision. But because I you know, because of faux fop I have to have more like so sometimes like there will be particular guests that someone doesn't like. Yeah. Guess what? Fuck off, I don't care. Like it's a podcast. You can just not listen to that episode. Yeah, yeah. Like but the thing they is you know. they're all people that I like. Oh, like you I know like what I mean? Like think about it. I'm inviting people like, on know. you know this podcast. And you're not asking for permission. I'm having I'm t- but I'm also inviting people on that like the people you I wouldn't get to have podcasts of people on that I, know. I like. Uh, that's a du- yeah. I so it's realize. such a stupid thing to say to me that you don't like someone. Like if you don't like someone that's fine. Like I understand yeah. comedy is different. Like and a Lindsay Webb episode is going to be different to a Daniel You're Slosser or whatever. People. But yeah, I know. But the point being I get that's fine. You're allowed to make those sort of choices. No. I don't like uh, listening to Kevin Smith's smogcast when uh, Scott Mosier's not there. No. Like, I just, I'm like, no, that's, I like the two of them together. And, but I don't fucking message Kevin Smith and go, fuck you, where's Scott Mosier? I mean, I think it sometimes, but just think, <laughs> all I'm saying is you're allowed to think it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just don't fucking tell me about it. Anyway, well, that's shitty. I'm sorry you get that feedback. Nah, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's not that bad. Anyway, so rate it. Be positive. But I'm yeah. just saying tell cool people about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you'll find it. If yeah. you're cool, if you listen to it, you are cool. You know, it's funny. A guy, <laughs> one of the young guys at work, uh, started listening to it. Oh yeah. And, um, he started feeling from- did, did it make him think you were cooler? <laughs> I don't think so. Or less cool? Oh, well, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't, I don't know how far into it is, but he said he started episode There one. are young people who listen to this podcast. I know this because people, and I meet some at the comedy festival, like more young women than I expected, like listen to this podcast. And like, there is a part of me that was like, oh, that's cool. Like, in, if an eighteen-year-old girl or nineteen-year-old girl or whatever, like, I was stopped in, <laughs> I was ah. stopped in, like near my house in Sydney by a girl who was at high school to tell me she really enjoyed the podcast, and I was like, that's brilliant. But then at the same time, I was like, are they listening in to be like, what do these the old, old men, men think thinking? about things? My brother, um, none of my family listened to it. No, I think my sister listens to it, and uh, my brother. I was talking to him about the show, and he's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. At least he says it's mainly about masturbation. <laughs> 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 My sister listens to it. And her one takeaway is we talk about masturbating a lot. So from the episode that may be titled Skeet. Here's the thing I'm going to say to you. Now I've told this story before, but you probably haven't heard it. Um, uh, and i think you will enjoy it and i think the listeners will enjoy hearing it again anyway because it goes to that uh there's a really fabulous uh comedian from scotland called daniel sloss who have on the podcast and people have really enjoyed his episodes they're fantastic but his mum listens and his mum is more my age you know i mean like you know because he's a young guy so like really you know that's fine like someone my age can listen to it but it's his mum right so the other day he was said like he knows she listens he said mum don't listen to this next bit because he was talking about giving head and how much he enjoyed giving head in fact i think I think he said eating pussy he might have said eating pussy uh, you know so he said mum please turn off anyway so his mum Dr. Les Sloss, you can find her on Twitter if you want to follow her uh, live tweeted that bit of the uh, oh podcast God. including the moment where she says oh did you really think I was going to turn off when you told me to oh my and God. including her next comment which is the best comment Like, the, it's worth having had this podcast for four <laughs> years for this moment to happen she tweeted and I'll leave you with this thought, Daniel. You're your father's son. I'm Charlie Clausen. I'm Will Anderson. <laughs>